Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is a 2022 NFL Draft Special. I'm going to be covering the teams from the West, so the NFC and AFC West. Just kind of doing what I did on the first show for the South teams, where I just kind of go over the draft, give my opinion, and kind of look forward to what's going on in the season. One thing I forgot to do last week is give a general outlook. Uh, as far as how I expect the team to kind of do in the season, I was going to give a range of of kind of wins and losses. So I would say, okay, you know, uh, as an example, Detroit, I can see them uh, winning as few as four games and winning as many as eight, that type of thing. Just making something up. Uh, since I didn't do that in the first show, I want to keep some consistency here. I'm just going to talk strictly about the draft and also where I expect those players to slot. For those of you who are new to the show, a couple of things. You can follow me on Twitter. That's the best uh, place to find my football information. And my handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out, and the number nine. And generally what I do during the season is three different variations of shows. Uh, Wednesday, Weekside Wednesdays, that's where I discuss the prior week's games and also any NFL news and notes that come up on that day or through uh, the course of the prior week up to Wednesday, uh, Turf Talk Thursday. That's where I address the upcoming schedule, uh, including the Thursday night game and fantasy football for Thursday night. And why do I do that on Turf Talk Thursdays? It's because Fantasy Football Fridays is on Friday and it's going to be a little bit too late to help you out with fantasy in your Thursday night game if I don't do it on the Thursday show. All right, folks, so we're going to go ahead and jump in. And like I said, I'm going to do the West teams. We're going to actually start with the NFC this time. So the NFC West has been consistently, at least over the last half decade, the best division in football. It's produced uh, a Super Bowl winner last year. It produced a Super Bowl, well, actually, both teams in the NFC Championship were from the NFC West. Two years prior, uh, the team that lost the Super Bowl was from the NFC West in San Francisco. Um, Seattle was always a contender every year. And Arizona, even if they haven't really been that team, They've been competitive every year, winning roughly eight or nine games in each season. And now the new best is the, or at least considered the best, is the AFC West with just some juggernaut teams where a team that made the playoffs last year and the Raiders is likely going to finish last in that division, at least how it's set up right now. So I'm going to do this in alphabetical order. Again, start with the NFC West. I'm going to start with the Arizona Cardinals here. Now the Cardinals are a very funny team because the Cardinals while coached by Cliff Kingsbury, everyone's noticed what's going on with the Cardinals, which is they start strong, first seven or eight games, even 10 games, I believe, last year where they were eight and two, and then falter down the stretch, uh, losing five of their next six that includes the playoffs. And that seems to be Cliff Kingsbury's thing. But one thing to take into consideration is context. People always say, well, his offense got figured out. I think that's mildly moronic. And the reason I say it's mildly moronic is because if his offense got figured out every year, so to start the new year, his offense just all of a sudden was good again. I think it's a war of attrition with Arizona as in the last couple of years, down the stretch, they've lost key pieces. Uh, they were able to keep afloat losing J.J. Uh, Watt uh, earlier in the season, but then they started losing more pieces, including losing a guy with the talent and ability of DeAndre Hopkins. You saw what happened to their quarterback once they lost Hopkins. So, as far as the draft, they did some things that were interesting in the draft. One thing that they did was they traded their first-round pick to the Baltimore uh, Ravens to pick up a new number one receiver. 
Uh, that's going to be Hollywood Brown. He played at Oklahoma with Kyler Murray. He's going to fit very well into the scheme because, to be candid, he didn't fit at all into the Ravens scheme, and I don't know why they drafted him with the intention of not using him properly. They're going to use him in space uh, in Arizona. They're going to get the ball in his hands quickly and also allow him to run more intermediate routes. Again, for those of you all who feel how you want to feel, I think it's less of a function of Lamar Jackson not being able to throw intermediate and deep passes than it is of the play caller and the play designer not knowing how to properly structure them. That's just me looking at the games. I'm not perfect, but that's just what I see out there. Uh, And one thing that Cliff Kingsbury will do is get intermediate passes open uh, based on his offense. So that was kind of their first pick, but their first actual pick was in the second round, 23rd uh, pick in the second round. And that's Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State. Now, he's basically an oversized wide receiver. Uh, He's not a blocker. Uh, At best, he's an effort blocker at this stage of his career. Does not mean he can not improve. Uh, He goes to a very good setup for a team that started to utilize the tight end more. Uh, You saw Zach Ertz, who is there, and he's not by any means over the hill, but he's on the backside of his career uh, compared to some of the other of his contemporaries, I should say. So... He gets a good match guy in Zach Ertz. He can learn a lot from Ertz. They actually have a lot of similarities to their game. And now this gives them more versatility to be able to run the ball with two tight end sets, even though, yes, again, neither is really a great blocker. But having that tight end who can attach to the line at times does at least make your defense change up how it's trying to attack you. Third round pick. Uh, they went with Cam Thomas, a defensive end out of San Diego State. Going to fit well into this system and this scheme. One of the things that they were able to do last year is kind of maintain even though they started to lose uh, some integrity on the interior of that line Thomas is going to fit really nicely uh, in that J.J. Watt role as far as a guy who's going to come in and be able to I don't say learn from him but he could do that he can also play outside and play that outside linebacker role so he's going to be pretty versatile in how he's able to be utilized in this scheme and system all right, we're going to move on to the next pick that was in the, the third round. Uh, they get another defensive lineman uh, out of Cincinnati, going and getting a long, athletic guy, uh, Maje Sanders. I like this addition because now they have a lot of flexibility in what they're able to do. He's going to probably end up playing that rush in. Uh, the guy who is kind of that wild side, that, that free side, uh, right outside linebacker who's going to be able to just crash in and, and be a disruptive force, not going to have to use... Uh, I don't want to say too many nuanced plays and moves and things like that because that's just wrong. What I mean is he's just going to be able to, to release and let loose and try to get up the field. And that's a good place for a young guy uh, with the skill set that he has. Uh, Keontae Ingram is the next guy that was picked. And this is a pretty interesting scenario. So Ingram kind of mirrors, in my opinion, to some extent, uh, the guy that they already have on the roster. It looks like they want to get more of a bigger pounding back. Uh, they already have James Conner, so they're going to get Ingram to come in there. I think they have a lot of similarities in their game. That's just me personally. Uh, so now with the loss of a guy like Chase Edmonds, who was never really properly utilized in that system, just in my opinion, um, they get another guy who can kind of mirror what they have as far as their starting running back. And again, I'm a big fan of adding guys that are very similar in nature to your starter. Uh, at any position, so you you don't have to you know reinvent the wheel when putting them back into a scheme. Cedis Jones, uh, offensive guard out of excuse me out of Virginia Tech, 
they had some more depth here. They need some interior uh, line depth. I don't think that he's going to really hit the field. You know, they got Will Hernandez that they picked up from the Giants. I think that's what's going to end up happening as far as the offensive line is concerned. But good to get depth and a guy who can uh, function in the scheme. Christian Matthew, cornerback out of Valdosta State. Don't have as much depth of field on him. Did not uh, scout him. What I will say is this is a big body guy. So what I'm assuming that they're probably going to do is they will probably end up using him as a guy who can match up in certain situations uh, against some of those bigger receivers that do exist out there. This guy's got, I mean, he's like 6'3", 6'4", so he's a big guy, uh, about 200 pounds. So that should be very helpful. And then Jake Lakuda, uh, outside linebacker out of Penn State. Penn State's been putting some good uh, linebackers onto the field of late. Uh, you know, that's where Michael Parsons came from. And again, going to probably be able to uh, rush the passer if necessary, but also I think can flex inside again if if asked to. He'll probably end up more more so slotting uh, to the inside linebacker role, but he'll be a special teams guy early on. And then Marquise Hayes out of Oklahoma, I actually feel like he was going to go earlier. So giving him in the seventh round is good addition. I feel like he's probably the guy that's going to end up stepping up uh, to uh, end up filling that right guard role at some point. You know, they brought in Will Hernandez. He's got a little nasty to him. This is kind of a good uh, fit fill guy as far as a guy that matches up or at least compares favorably to Will Hernandez, I should say. Um, overall, I think in the draft, they did a, a, a solid job addressing areas of need. Again, they need to keep Kyler Murray healthy and the interior of the line gave them fits last year. That's why they went into free agency and got Hernandez and Pew and then did stuff like that. That's why they drafted two guards. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they tried to make sure that they could stop the run. They're in a division that looks to run the ball. Seattle, clearly with no Russell Wilson, looks to run the ball. We know San Francisco's MO. And then the Rams, for all intents and purposes, they wanted to showcase Matt Stafford last year and Cooper Cup was the beneficiary. It's not any sort of negative towards Cooper Cup. Those of you all who follow me for years know that I'm a huge Cooper Cup fan and I've been team Cooper Cup before people even know who the hell he was. Um, but the Rams in general, since Sean McVay's gotten there back to the Todd Gurley days, look to run the ball and then play action off of that. It's just that they had Matt Stafford. They wanted to showcase him last year. So up next are the Super Bowl champions, a team that seems to not really care about the draft from the perspective of first round picks. And that's the Los Angeles Rams. I don't blame them. It seems like it's working out pretty well for them. Um, I don't know if you all seen that episode of Family Guy, but there's a salesman. It's early on. It's an early episode. There's a salesman. He's like, you can have this boat. It's like, it's great. Or you can have the mystery box. And Peter Griffin goes, oh, oh. Lois is like, Peter, take the boat. It's like, shh, shh, shh. let him describe the box. And he basically gets talked into taking a mystery box instead of a boat. I think the Rams are very similar in nature to Lois Griffin, where they're like, the hell's wrong with you? There's a boat. They're like, what the hell's wrong with you? I can go try to get a first round pick, or I can go pick up Jalen Ramsey or someone of the like. <laughs> so that's the Rams philosophy and it's worked out well for them especially since they're in a financial position to be able to push that money forward some organizations are not in that place so they didn't have a day one pick no first round pick they didn't even have a second round pick their first pick was the third round 40th pick in the third round and that was on an offensive lineman they went with a guard Logan Bruce out of uh, Wisconsin you know again they would get a guy who can pull get to the next level uh, quick as necessary and again they do a lot of movement on this line um it's not a stationary 
just uh, stay there and block. They like to move around. They like to do some zone stuff. And he's going to be able to come in there and fit nicely. He might even compete for a starting job early on because they do have a hole on that offensive line at right guard. Up next, they went and got a corner. And Kobe Durant out of uh, South Carolina State. So they end up getting a guy who's probably going to end up uh, fit into the slot role. They did lose Darius Williams last year. You know, they have Troy Hill. They brought in who's probably going to be the initial starter at Nickelback. Uh, but he can compete for this position. Listen, again, what the, one thing that the Rams, I'll give them credit on. If you can play, they don't care. They're going to put you on the field. They know what they have in a guy like uh, Donald and Ramsey. But the rest of the guys, I'm not going to say that they're flexible, especially since they brought in a guy like uh, Bobby Wagner. But some of those positions are up for grabs. So I like the fact that they're going to go after it and really try to get the job done here. Next up, they went with a running back in the fifth round. They went with Kyron Williams. I do like this addition to this team. I think that Kyron Williams is a home run hitter. Uh, I think that he can really work well in his own scheme. Um, one of the things that the Rams are really good at doing is bringing in guys that, that fit into what they want to do. And some teams don't really do that. They try to reach and then, okay, we can mold a guy into to a certain thing. You know, they brought in Cam Akers. I thought he was going to be a really good fit here. I don't think they've used Daryl Henderson as well as they could have, but bringing in Sonny Michelle made sense last year because he fit well into the system. Again, just haven't used uh, Henderson well, but generally the running backs they bring in fit really well into it, and Kyron Williams will fit well into this scheme and system. Bringing Quentin Lake, a safety out of UCLA, didn't really do much on Lake personally. So what I'll say is they did need some secondary help. They have had some guys be jettisoned. And one of the things is they have contracts that are coming up and they're going to be due and they can't pay everyone. I know it seems like they do pay everyone, but they got to get some fill and bring in another safety just in case he hits in the sixth round works out. So they have back-to-back picks in the sixth round. Uh, they ran Darren Kendrick, cornerback out of Georgia. Again, that Georgia defense was just putting people up, right? They're just putting guys into the draft this year. So they go get another on corner, a guy who just in case they end up losing, you know, Hill comes out. David Long doesn't end up working out where they can uh, get him re-signed. They're going to try to take swings at guys that can fit into their scheme. And this guy will be a good addition uh, based on what I saw. Daniel Hardy, an outside linebacker from Montana State, is up next. Again, did not really scout this guy. Uh, just looking at the, the the weight height, I think that they, they're going to utilize this guy as one of those runners. So they play pretty much a 3-4 scheme uh, out there, right? Usually you have larger linebackers playing the interior in a lot of 3-4 schemes because you want to funnel people into them. And then they can make hits. The Rams are an interesting team because they like to have kind of a guy that I call a runner, right? So in a 3-4 scheme, they're going to have one guy that kind of uh, mans the middle. And then they have one dude who honestly is undersized that just runs around and makes things. How, how can I put this? He basically makes the other team get in distress because you can't do those quick passes and try to take advantage of those usually more stiff non-fluid athlete linebackers that exist in some of these 3-4 schemes. The Rams don't allow that. They know that they can get interior pressure, so they want a guy who can respond to quick stuff. And that's what the runner position is, at least how I see it for the Rams. And that's why I think this is a good addition, just based on what I've seen as far as his 
height weight matchup uh, mix it makes sense for them that's how the Rams function Rust Yeast is the next guy up again I don't particularly notice but this is probably based on again same criteria height weight this guy is roughly 5'10 he's under 200 pounds if you've noticed the Rams seem to always bring in a guy like that a guy who can do the same type of stuff again uh, they signed Eric Weddle back last year. He was an undersized former cornerback that was converted to safety in the NFL. So, again, bringing in a guy that should be helpful. Uh, I like it. And then bringing in A.J. Arcuri, uh offensive tackle out of Michigan State. Very similar. Again, these were all seventh-round picks. Very similar. Didn't do a lot of research on this guy in particular. I think that they know guys like... Uh, Havenstein might not end up getting re-signed uh, to a contract that they uh, think is palatable, might have to move on from him. So you bring in a guy that's talented, that you believe can fit the bill, especially when you're in the seventh round. You start to take more swings and hope that a guy catches on to what you're looking to do. So all in all, I like what the Rams did to address some of their issues. The Rams knew that they they generally they don't deploy a, a full-on committee at running back. What they do is they try to get in guys just in case someone goes down or so they can mix and match uh, in, a, in a scheme. You'd rather use a Rams running back, again, I'm going to fantasy here, than you would a 49ers running back because you never know who the hell it is. Uh, so they got a running back in. They filled a hole on the offensive line with a possible starter and uh, Bruce out of Wisconsin. They brought in guys in that secondary because guys are starting to leave in that secondary. Contracts are coming up, getting three secondary members. So... I like how they went and addressed some of the whole four secondary members. I'm sorry, address some of the holes that they have on this team. They know where they need to do stuff, and they know that the only guy in the secondary that they know they have to keep happens to be Jalen Ramsey. Everyone else, no matter how talented they are, they want to make sure if it ever comes, push comes to shove, they can move on if necessary. So the San Francisco 49ers are up next. That's the team that lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship after having a lead in the fourth quarter. I think they had like a 10-point lead. It... <sighs> Yikes. Um, so, uh, San Francisco 49ers, they were a dangerous team. They're going to continue to be a dangerous team because they're well-coached. And they did not have a first-round pick either. Uh, ended up, I believe that he was uh, that their first-round pick was a part of the trade that they had for uh, Trey Lance last year. So, their first pick was... Picked 29 in the second round. They went at Drake, Drake Jackson, uh, outside linebacker slash defensive end out of, excuse me, out of uh, USC. Sorry about that, folks. So listen, what they do is they continuously, continuously, continuously reload on this defense. So why, what do I mean by reload on this defense? They continuously take defensive linemen that fit what they want. They want aggressive. They want guys that get up the field. They want guys that can rush the passer. A, because they know that injuries have plagued them more than virtually any team in the NFL over the last three seasons. But B, if you're able to continuously bring in healthy bodies to throw at an offense, those offensive linemen hate that. If you have, you know, if they get to take a break because the backup's coming in, usually the backup is not as talented as the starter. But with this team, they continuously try to feed that system of bringing in guys that, uh, uh, or high-level edge rushers. So, good addition. He should get some play time uh, year one uh, playing at outside linebacker slash uh, defensive end position for the 49ers. 
The next pick, 29th overall pick in the third round, they went with Tyron Davis Price out of LSU. Now, here's what I'm going to have to say about this. I think for me personally, a guy who, yes, I think he was a five-star guy coming out of high school, never really caught on, you know. Um, he had a big game, I think, against University of Florida this past season. So people were like, oh, wow, you know, really flashed. But he never really caught on at LSU. So going in the third round was a little rich for me. But here's what I'll say. San Francisco knows what they like from the running back position. And so they went after a guy that they like. They like the height, weight, speed uh, combination of things. But here's the other thing. And this is my belief. It does not make it true. I think this guy going in the third round, which is fine. Again, last year they took a guy in the third round, a Trey Sermon, who couldn't hit the field. He will be the second best running back on this roster from a Louisiana college. Because Elijah Mitchell is a better running back. Uh, he might not have the uh, the the uh, prestige of having gone to LSU, but he went to, you know, Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette formerly. And all this dude did was ball out. And he got to the NFL, and all he did was ball out. So it seems a little rich for this pick. I didn't think it was a great one, but at the same point in time, I can't blame a team that continuously at least presses for the Super Bowl. They've been in the NFC Championship, uh, what, two straight, uh, two out of the last three years, three out of the last four years, something like that. So good for them. Kudos. All right. So we're going to go ahead and go to their next pick. And they went with Danny Gray out of SMU. You know, this felt more like a panic pick to me than like a strategic pick. Uh, I think that they, they, I know they don't want to lose Debo Samuels, but that's going to come to a head at some point, right? They're going to have to do something, either move him or they're going to have to pay him properly or figure out how to not continuously try to beat this man's body into the ground. So I think they went after Gray a little earlier than I would have. Third round, 41st pick in the third round solid player. Uh, I just don't think he profiled to this exact position in the draft uh, day two. Uh, he's more of a late day three guy in my opinion, but again he he at least kind of fits what they want to do in San Francisco. I just don't think it was uh, I think they could have utilized uh, that pick uh, in another arena. Spencer Buford is up next uh, out of a uh, UTSA, so that's going to be University of Texas, San Antonio. So I did do a little bit on Spencer uh, Burford. Um, again, I don't know enough to say the following. I think that because of his athleticism, uh, he can fit into the San Francisco uh, lineup very well, uh, possibly slotting in at guard instead of uh, offensive tackle like he played in college. But at the, at the end of the day, I wasn't as impressed with a fourth round pick on the young man. That's no shade to him. I just thought that there were some guys that were better options that were available personally. So again, San Francisco, they may see something or know something that I don't because they've had an adept the feel of having had con uh, conversations with the player. They, they may have a plan of action for how they want to deploy him uh, in this situation. It was just one of those things where I didn't think that they needed to attack the offensive line uh, the way that they did at this place. Samuel Womack, uh, 
cornerback out of Toledo. Very similar. I don't have much to say on Samuel. But what I will say is this. All right, he's probably going to end up playing that nickel corner just based on his uh, height and, and, and size. Uh, San Francisco does like aggressive players. So I'm going to assume, again, didn't scout this guy this year. Uh, assume that he's probably a very aggressive uh, corner. And he's probably very physical. That's just usually what they like, especially from their nickel corners. So that's what I'm going to assess and assume uh, for him. Next up in the sixth round, they got Nick Zakel out of Fordham. I actually like this player. I did get a chance to look at him. And I think that he, you know, he, he will fit into this uh, system very well. He's going to end up playing tackle, probably right tackle. Very aggressive guy. Uh, so I, I do like this addition for this offensive line, especially since he has that, that mauler in his game. Uh, in my opinion. And we know that San Francisco tends to be a very run-heavy, aggressive uh, offense. So, again, good addition. Next up, Clea Davis, uh, defensive uh, tackle out of uh, UCF. An active guy who's going to be able to play in the interior of the defense. Uh, he'll be able to line up at that nose, allowing kind of a natural, if he does get on the field, uh, movement from Javon uh, Kinlaw and Eric Armstead to not playing in that particular situation. Again, he's going to be a situational player. He is a later round pick, but he'll get to compete. And I think that he does have uh, some niceness to his game. And then in the sixth round, the next pick, they take Tariq Castro Fields. Oddly enough, I like his game. And I think that his is a great fit uh, here in San Francisco. You know, long 6'1-ish corner, about 200 pounds who should play very physical at a point of attack. San Francisco to continue the tradition, even without Salah being their defense coordinator anymore, of having that attacking style defense. Uh, they brought in Traverius uh, Ward out of, uh, excuse me, out of Kansas City. So he's probably going to be the starter. But I like this young man, uh, Fields, competing for a place in this particular uh scheme and system he'll probably be special a special team early on but at least he'll get some play time and then brock purdy was the final pick he was mr irrelevant 41st pick of the seventh round you know i think san francisco just said bump it and just took a quarterback and i'm not even making a joke here um i think they to some extent believe that they can move on from jimmy garoppolo when they move on from jimmy garoppolo they're gonna have at this stage nate sudfeld as the backup because <clears throat> if they moved on from Garoppolo, Trey Lance would be the starter. Brock Purdy's better than Nate Sudfeld, period. Is Brock Purdy, you know, an NFL starting quarterback? On my eyes, uh, he's more of a, a, a best spot starter, uh, likely a career backup. But again, we've seen with San Francisco, they bring in guys that might not have worked or might not have been the draftable guy that you expected that play well in the scheme. So Purdy, who does have a little bit of athleticism to his game, uh, can work well in this scheme. Uh, so it was not a bad pick, especially where they got him uh, with the last pick of the draft. Um, I thought that San Francisco reached in some uh, some places. I thought that because of what's going on with Debo Samuels, they made some uh, decisions that were interesting. The Danny Gray selection was a little bit early for me. But all in all, San Francisco looks to continue the tradition of just attacking you on the offensive line. And they try to get stronger in the secondary, uh, adding some pieces there as well. Gonna move on to the Seattle Seahawks. They're up next in the assessment. And again, I'm going a little slower today, folks, than I'm used to going. Uh, a little more long-winded because I'm just talking through these guys. Uh, 
if you heard last show, it wasn't as scripted or set up as I usually am, but it's a situation where I just want to talk about my feelings. And I didn't do as much research, keep hearing that from me, uh, as I do, did in past years to be candid. I did not have the time to do so. And since I was not tasked by an entity to do draft coverage, more so I was tasked to do fantasy football during the season, I kept up more with that than I had in the past. All right, so the Seattle Seahawks will close out this division. And the Seahawks draft was a head scratcher to me, but at the same point in time, it was full Seattle. It is full Seattle leaning into, we want to play old school army football, basically. So first pick, uh, ninth overall, they took Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. I think Cross, I've said this, he's a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. He does have some aggression to his game, but he is more... Uh, tactful in how he approaches and I think that he's going to end up being a great pass blocker it's funny that basically Russell Wilson who asked for offensive linemen forever uh, leaves and they go and get a top 10 pick on the offensive line for current starting quarterback Drew Locke alright or Geno Smith however you want to put it but I think it's Drew Locke's going to be the starter um, second round they'll go with Boy Mafi out of Minnesota listen this is this is a Pete Carroll pick. <laughs> I we can say whatever we want to. This guy is active. He gets after it. I think that he'll end up getting more play time than we expect early on. I think that he'll end up playing with his hand in the ground at some points in time. He'll also end up uh, standing up and playing. He's got a lot of athleticism, uh, and I, I like the addition for them. I'll just put it like that. I think that he is a good player, but the addition for them with the eighth pick in the second round was a great one. They follow it up after trading up to go get him with their next pick. And this is one that it's a head scratch to me. And they get uh, Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. Walker is a good football player. I will say that, right? Um, kind of is in the elk of the David Montgomery's of the world for me. Um, there's a certain type of running back I like. Uh, Walker doesn't really fit that bill, but it does not mean he's not uber talented and he does fit the bill for Seattle. I just thought it was an interesting uh, situation considering Rashad Penny being on the roster. Now, maybe because of Chris Carston's uncertainty, they may have to go out uh, after Walker, but I just felt like it was a little bit too early to go after him. But Seattle is telling you what they want to do. They want to run a damn ball, period. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to run a damn ball. Next up, uh, Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. I like how they're attacking this. So he's probably going to come in. He's going to play that right tackle position. Lucas is pretty nasty. I, I like how he's going to get down, but he is a good pass protector. Um, and on the right side, I think that he can thrive playing opposite Charles Cross. It's very interesting. Again, they went with guys who have high level pass blocking skills uh, more than some of the other teams that went after more maulers. So Seattle is, I like that addition. Uh, just because uh, I, I think that it can work really well for them uh, and keep whatever quarterback is a starter upright. Next guy, Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. Everyone knows about Sars Gardner, but Kobe Bryant uh, was a quality corner in his own right. I, I liked his tape. I thought it was very, very solid. Another big rangy corner. He's going to fit the mold of what they've been doing in Seattle for years. And he was a fourth round pick. Getting him on day three. It kind of fit. I thought he was more of an early third round pick, but how this draft felt, it fit for him to go here. It made a lot of sense, and I think that he's a great addition to their team. 
And then they go and get another big, rangy, long corner in Tariq Woolen, uh, cornerback out of uh, uh, UT San Antonio. And this guy, I do like his game. I think that he's going to play extremely well. He's going to remind some people of Brandon Browner in some uh, respects. You know, 6'3 plus, maybe 6'4. Uh, big guy, very handsy, plays well in press coverage. I think that he's going to work out really well to assist on this uh, roster. Next up, they get Tyreek Smith, another defensive end lineman out of Ohio State. Another Pete Carroll pick, and I mean just in general. They like these dudes who are these twitchy type athlete guys that, you know, might not have had the production that you might have wanted, but at the same point in time, they just kind of get all over the place. Uh, I think at this stage of the draft, it was a solid pickup for them, and I think that he will get into the rotation, uh, probably being more of a third down guy uh, early in his career. Seventh round, they had two picks, and they went after two wide receivers. Bo Melton out of Rutgers, who is a twitchy guy. Uh, he'll probably help out in the return game. It's funny, you know, they went in the first round, I believe, last year. Yeah, it's first round, and they got a wide receiver who, oh, sorry, second round, sorry, uh, uh, Dwayne Eskridge out of uh, Western Michigan and they didn't really utilize him last year now that Russell Wilson's gone I'm, I'm wondering you know Milton is uh, he's a stretch the field guy in a lot of ways so I wonder how they're going to deploy him in this scenario um, can be a good pickup if he's properly utilized and Enrique Young out of Lenoir Rhine uh, that's Canadian uh, institution no depth of field on him I uh, really don't know much about him at all, so I can't really give an assessment. All I can say is this. Seattle knew that they needed a little bit more depth there at the wide receiver position. Uh, they're probably going to move on from DK Metcalf. That's just my assessment uh, based on they're probably not going to pay him. They're probably in a hard reset. Tyler Lockett's going to be there, though. Uh, Swain is more of a fill piece. D. Eskridge, they need to get him up to speed. So maybe they're bringing in this young man to also fill out the roster uh, as they move forward. Thought all in all, Seattle's uh, draft was a little confusing. The Charles Cross pick was confusing to me, but at the same point in time, they got a really good player, uh, Mafe, uh, great addition. And then Kenneth Walker, for them, it made sense. It was a little too rich for my blood, but at the same point in time, uh, what are you going to do? And then the Kobe Bryant pick was an excellent one for getting him where they got him and also the matchup of how he's going to fit in. So I've been kind of long-winded in this one. I'm kind of dragging on. I'm sorry about that, folks. But we're going to move on to the AFC West. This will probably be a quicker division than the last one. And we're going to start with the Denver Broncos in alphabetical order. Now, Denver, obviously, their big move wasn't the draft. It was picking up Russell Wilson, and they had to send off team, uh, send off some players to the team I just talked about. Uh, Seattle sending off guys like Noah Fant, uh, Shelby, Harris, and uh, what's his name? Drew Locke. Uh, just to name a few and some picks. So, Denver Broncos didn't have a first round pick. Had a second round pick though. They traded with the Rams to get Nick Benito, uh, outside linebacker, rush end out of Oklahoma. I like this addition. One of the things that we know about Randy Gregory is that he's super talented. The other thing we know about Randy Gregory is Randy Gregory cannot stay on the field for seven, 16, now 17 games in a season, whether there's been suspensions or injuries. So, you'll get a guy who may not be ready to be the full-time starter yet, but him playing opposite slash behind uh, Bradley Chubb and having the back of a guy like Randy Gregory, a guy who, again, we see the talent, we know the talent, we know that <laughs> we saw the tape coming out of college. 
and we've saw what he could do at points and flashes at Dallas, but honestly, he's not reliable or dependable. So they had to go get a guy, and I think Benito will fit very well. He's undersized for some schemes. I think in this one, he'll be able to throw his body around. He's just under uh, 250 pounds, about six foot three. And I think this is a good addition. Now, I mentioned earlier that in a trade, they lost uh, Noah Fant. So they go and try to get not a one-to-one replacement, but another guy who can run after the catch uh, at tight end, Greg Dulcich out of UCLA. I like the addition here. He's going to play at uh, behind Albert O. Um, and, and I think that in this system, in this game, Russell Wilson will be able to use those tight ends. I know that they want to run the ball a little more than some people expect, but also they're going to throw the ball quite a bit. Um, so having a tight end, again, it changes how the defense is scheme against you, what personnel they put on the field, and that should make things easier in some respects to identify uh, what the opposition is trying to do. Uh, Damari Mathis, cornerback out of Pittsburgh. Look, I think that Mathis is a really good corner. Getting him in the fourth round was a steal, in my opinion. Uh, I think that he can challenge for some playtime opposite of Pat Sertain and really get on the field. Uh, I'm not going to say he's better than Ronald Darby, but I'll go ahead and say he's probably going to end up being better than Ronald Darby uh, this season, just in my opinion. I like this addition. I really think that he's going to fight for playtime. Um, coming up and next up they jumped up right after that selection and it's hilarious Uh, Seattle seems to be wanting to help out (laughs) this Denver Bronco team as much as feasibly possible Um, so excuse me uh, they end up getting Yume Wazariki out of Iowa State played DN. Uh, or at least was listed, played inside. I think he's going to end up playing pretty much that nose or a little bit of a shade in this particular situation. He is a massive human. He is like 6'6", like twenty pounds. He is a massive human. And in this particular scheme, I think that he's going to be attacking and aggressive from the interior. Uh, DJ Jones is going to be that dude on this uh, roster on the interior. But I can see uh, Azarike Hey, I can't speak today. I'm so sorry, folks. Getting some playtime and pushing for some playtime. They still got guys like Telvin, uh, a gym uh, on the roster. So it may be difficult for him to get on the field. But when he is on the field, good luck to you. Delarin Turner Yell is the next guy up. And, you know, he played safety. It's going to be, they're going to try to p- cover up some holes. <laughs> That's all I can say. What they're going to do with this defense is try to cover up some holes. He'll, he'll be more of a matchup safety than anything. Uh, a little bit undersized, but he does get around. Uh, fifth round pick might have been a little bit too high for him, but at the same point in time, it's not egregious. Day three picks can range. You know, late fourth round to the seventh round, in a lot of respects, is the same pick, uh, especially early seventh round. The same pick, it just kind of depends on who fits where and why. Um at that stage of the draft, especially in a draft like this particular one where it was a super senior class and he had a lot of guys that were available. Next up, in the fifth round, the 19th overall pick, they took Montreal Washington out of Samford. Then I scout him, but I will say this. I did see, for those of you all who don't know, I went to University of Florida. I did watch a game where no one believed in anything resembling defense in that game. And it was University of Florida against Samford. I want to say it was uh, November like 
13th. Um, anyway, I remember him scoring a touchdown in that game. Low guy. So he had quickness. But again, no one played any defense in that game. It was like 70 points scored in the first half. I'm not joking. I think there were 70 points scored in the first half uh, between the two teams. It was like 42-28 or something crazy like that. So clearly a talented guy. Uh, they wanted to get some, some quickness in there. Uh, this roster has a lot of quickness. Uh, Hamler coming back from the ACL. You're going to have Jerry Judy. So bringing in Washington, he could probably be a retirement early in his career uh, to assist there. Uh, Luke Wattenberg out of Washington. Uh, he's going to end up coming in here, and he's probably just going to end up being a fill piece behind. Kutchberry's pretty much got this uh, center position locked up. So he's probably just going to be a backup to him. But there's nothing wrong with going, especially in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, and getting guys that are good fill pieces that can blossom into uh, possible starters, depending on how contract situations go with uh, another guy or injuries. Matt Higgins. Sorry. Matt Henningsen. I had a birthday, folks. Matt Henningsen out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin always has these uh, large defensive tackle guys uh, that end up coming in and they play uh, kind of the five tech in some of these situations. I think that's going to end up being what he does uh, in this defense. Um, and I think it's going to work out well for him. You know, just again, another fill piece more than anything. Um, and I think that they're going to have an active front uh, to get after the opposition, which they're going to need because they have some really good quarterbacks in this division. Fayon Hicks is the final pick in the seventh round. No scouting done on him out of Wisconsin. Did see him in games, but didn't really pay attention to him, to be candid. Um, so I don't have much to deliver on that. I think, they, again, they're addressing the secondary because they, they're playing in a division that has... Um, sorry about that, folks. They're playing a division that has Derek Carr as the quote-unquote worst quarterback in the division. We know my opinion of Derek Carr. I think he's underrated uh, compared to some people uh, that get way too much credit at the quarterback position. I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, and to me, it's not that close. All right, so we're going to move on to the next uh, team in this division. I believe that's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are pound for pound. They're the best uh, team in the NFL. I mean, I know that, you know, people say it's the Bills. The Bills are the most talented team. With all due respect, the best team in the NFL is the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why they were in four straight AFC championships, folks. They also have the best player on the planet that plays on offense, at least. Maybe Aaron Donald's the best in the NFL, but I think Patrick Mahomes is the best offensive player. You know my opinion. Stop saying that Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or anyone, Lamar, Lamar Jackson or Sean Watson, none of them are as good as Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry. Just Let's just get it out of our systems, folks. Let's stop trying to do it. I was proud of Kansas City with what they did in the draft, considering the holes that they had on their roster. Now, Kansas City had two first-round picks, and they made some moves uh, to make sure they got their guys. So in the first round, 21st overall pick, they had the 29th pick. They traded up to get Trent McDuffie from Washington. He's a physical corner. I think Trent McDuffie can play on the outside, but I think he immediately comes in and slots in as their nickel corner, a guy who can play, you know, again, he's probably not going to be the day-one starter, He'll probably play more in that nickel role, but he can develop to being one of the outside starters uh, and take over from one of the guys. Maybe a guy like uh, Rashad Fenton, who is a good player, but I think Tripp McDuffie is a better football player. 
Sticking at the 30th pick in the first round, they get George Karloftis. Now, people want to say George Karloftis isn't the guy that does X, Y, Z, and, you know, he's not twitchy, and I'm like, does he play good football? All Karloftis did was play good football, and that's one of the things that this, and he was disciplined. That's one of the things that this team was missing. Having Frank Clark as your number one rush end sometimes can be a negative thing because Frank Clark does his own thing. Frank Clark is not dependable. He's just really talented. So he'll play at the right defensive end. Karloftis will come and play left defensive end. He's going to hold up well against the run. Uh, and he's going to play uh, sound football on that edge. And he can rush the quarterback. He's just not that ultra twitchy guy. So getting him at this position for a team that just needed someone to play responsibly on a defensive line. So Chris Jones isn't asked to play defensive end. is an excellent thing. I love this pickup in the second round getting Sky Moore. Sky Moore, I will say this and get it over with. Sky Moore might end up challenging to be that true starting receiver by the end of the season. You know, they picked up Valdez Scantling uh, from Green Bay. They picked up Juju Smith-Schuster, who honestly is going to be the number one receiver. And Nicole Hartman has been a disappointment based on his talent. Now, do this quickly. Nicole Hartman in college was not the guy that people thought he was uh, because he never took over a game. I never saw him take over games in college. He was just super fast. So he was overdrafted in my opinion. So I think this guy more can take his position and relegate him to more of, you know, a third down option slash return man guy. So I love this addition. Sky Moore is one of my favorite receivers in this draft. Brian Cook, safety out of Cincinnati. That Cincinnati secondary was really, really good uh, this past year. And I think that he's going to come in and he will be able to challenge for some play time. They signed Justin Reed and gave him money. Uh, but I think that Brian Cook will, if they go with three safety setups, if they need certain matchup situations, uh, they'll probably put Juan Thornhill at more of that uh, matchup guy in the slot in those scenarios. And then, you know, if they have three safeties and three corners, they're going to look like a dime set with the option of bringing a guy down. I think that Brian Cook can be the guy that they bring down slash play up or Justin Reed can go down and Cook can play up. It'll be a pretty good setup. I like the addition here in the late second round. In third round, 39th overall pick in the third round, Leo Chanel, inside linebacker, out Chanel, inside linebacker out of uh, Wisconsin. Another good pickup. They've struggled at the linebacker position in this in this scheme. To be candid, they've struggled there. You know, they bring in Jermaine Carter out of Carolina. Look, I'm gonna say it like this: there'll be a true competition there. Nick Bolden's gonna get better, right? Willie Gay is gonna be that dude who just runs around but this guy's gonna play that strong that that sam linebacker position strong side and i think even though this was a little bit early for him again not far from egregious you know i had a early fifth late fourth round grade ish on him and this draft fell in a way where going to get him made a lot of sense next up you have josh williams out of fayetteville state i'll say this he has the, the the profile that could be a nightmare cornerback, 6'3", about 200 pounds. Since I didn't look at his tape, I can't give you anything else. But what I will say is my guy, Emory Hunt, talked well about him and his skill set. And I think that he's a guy who can get some play time in a, in a defense that desperately needs help in the secondary. Darian Kennard out of Kentucky, offensive guard. I think this is a great addition uh, for this team. Remember, they dedicated a lot to the offensive line from the perspective of spending money. 
that's not going to always be around. So getting a guy like Darian Kennard, a guy who can eventually come in and play guard, you know, he played tackle uh, at, at uh, Kentucky. I think he's more and better suited to play guard, to be candid. But you know, we'll see where he goes. I like the addition in this scheme and this setup, especially if they use him at guard uh, uh, on the right side here in uh, Kansas City. Sorry. Uh, Jalen Watson, cornerback out of Washington State. Again, they're going after these big, tall cornerbacks to defend against uh, the likes of guys like uh, uh, Edwards out in, in uh, Las Vegas. And, you know, you're going to have a guy like Devontae Adams, who is a jump ball master because of how he positioned himself. So they're going after a lot of cornerbacks. They're testing this market out. They know what one of their issues was when it came to being successful last year. Everyone's like, oh, go get a wide receiver. No, they needed corners and, and safeties. They needed secondary members. And so that's the third cornerback they're taking in the draft already. And they already took a safety as well. And just to round this out, Isaiah Pacheco out of uh, Rutgers. They just wanted a running back for depth. That's all I could say here. That's not any sort of slight or anything like that. They picked up Ronald Jones in the offseason. They have Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the roster uh, still. And I I still am a Clyde Edwards-Alaire fan. And Derek Gore ran the ball well. So I think they just wanted to get a guy in there with one of their late seventh-round picks just as a Phil guy. Uh, but out of brand camp and see if he can make the roster. And last but not least, they bring on Mazee Johnson out of Marshall. Didn't do any work on him, but what I'll say is that's the fifth secondary member that they've taken in this draft. They knew what they needed to do, and they address it. So I like what Kansas City did in this draft. I think they made themselves an ASC title contender again and a possible Super Bowl uh, contender. All right, so the Las Vegas Raiders are up next in this draft show for the West. And the Raiders had a more muted draft, only with six selections uh, in this scenario and they didn't pick until late in day two so the Raiders they did a lot of their stuff in the offseason going and getting guys that they could add into this uh, lineup bringing in a guy like Chandler Jones bringing in a guy like as we discussed earlier Devontae Adams excellent job hit the ball out of the park in the free agency and in the trade market so Dylan Parham uh, was taken 26 overall in the third round offensive guard out of Memphis. I think this is an excellent addition to this team. He is not going to be a day one starter, but he will compete to start at offensive guard. One of the better guards in this draft to me. And I think that he could actually hit the field at some point this year, just because I think he can be conditioned uh, to do so. Uh, Samir White, running back out of George, was taken in the fourth round. I like him. The injury derailed him early on. I think that he's one of the better running backs in this class. I like the way that he runs, and I'm not saying Josh Jacobs is on the clock because I hate that comment. I think it's so silly, but what I'll say is Josh Jacobs, who's had some injuries because of the way he runs, the physical nature, and we know that running backs tend to break down at some point, unfortunately, because uh, they get overused. So they ran White, and I think that White can take on Josh Jacobs' role, uh, especially if Jacobs has to miss any time. I don't think King and Drake is going to be taking that on, or Brandon Bolden. Uh, in this scenario. All right. Neil Farrell Jr. out of LSU. Fourth round pick. He's going to probably play on that nose side. I, I think that he's one of the guys that... They got a lot of defensive tackles on this roster. A lot of them. And Jonathan Hankins, Vernon Butler, uh, Andrew Billings. 
So Farrell is kind of in a crowded uh, field, but at the same point in time, they may believe in using a rotation and having multiple fronts, playing a 3-4 uh, scheme in this, but being able to use four down linemen, Farrell could fit in nicely. I think that this was a little rich for a pick, uh, for his him being picked here. But at the same point in time, I do think that he will fit well into the scheme that they're looking to utilize. Matthew Butler is up next, defensive tackle out of Tennessee in the fifth round, the last pick of the, uh, well, 32nd pick of the fifth round, I should say. Listen, man, they are, whatever you feel about them, they're going after guys that they think can be active up front and that can give them a lot of versatility. So an addition of Butler gives that. Thayer Munford out of Ohio State, going to get another offensive lineman, some depth. They want to run the ball here, to be honest. So getting some depth, getting a swing type tackle, uh, that can kick down a guard if necessary is going to be a great addition to this roster. And then Britton Brown, running back out of UCLA. That was a seventh round pick, 29th overall pick in the seventh round. He's not going to beat Alzamir White. I think White is the guy that you want to look for and you can even look for him in possible dynasty scenarios snagging him uh, later as he can probably end up next year being the guy that takes over for a guy like Josh Jacobs if they don't re-sign him. And then last but definitely not least, um, went a little bit out of order with the the, the, the alphabetical order here, honestly. Sometimes it still gets structured like that. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are the last team that I'm going to go over real quick. And I like what they did in this draft. They got Zion Johnson in the first round to protect their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. Uh, JT Woods out of Baylor. They got a guy who's explosive. Uh, at safety, who can really cover up some of the, the issues if they if they have any issues on that back end. Uh, I think he's going to fit in pretty nicely uh, behind a guy like uh, Nasir Adley, Adley. Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round. He was my favorite back. He and Bryce, uh, Brees Hall were uh, my, my back and forth, one, two, one, two in this class. I like Spiller. I like how he uh, actually functions. I think that he's a, a, a crafty back. He might not have that home run hitting ability from a speed standpoint, but I think he's crafty, and I think he's going to end up being the RB2 that they've been looking for behind Austin Eckler and may get more play time because he'll earn it. Otito Albania out of UCLA, defensive tackle. Uh, again, they're, they knew that they couldn't stop the damn run last year. Even with first-round picks like Jerry Tillery in the middle, they couldn't stop the run. So they bring in Otito. Uh, Albania, hopefully to try to fill that gap. They want to be an aggressive and attacking defense, and he should at least assist in giving them the option of a guy who can help in that circumstance. And Jeremy, uh, uh, Sailor, Sailor, sorry about that. Again, having a tough day, folks. It was a six-round pick out of Georgia. Uh, a guy who he's got some good balance, but he is a true guard. He's very physical at the point of attack. He will hit you in the mouth. And I think that he's more of a fill guy who can eventually develop into a starter. Zion Johnson is a day one starter, uh, the cleanest offensive attack, uh, offensive guard in his class. Uh, as a guard, King Green was kind of a guard tackle hybrid. So he was my number one technically guard, but like Zion Johnson. Uh, Jacer Taylor. Out of Wick Forest. Don't have anything on Jason Taylor personally. Uh, he's a, a smaller corner at 5'10", about 185 pounds. He'll probably be a slot guy, that nickel corner uh, position. 
but Asante Samuels Jr. is the clear-cut starter there, so maybe he can get some play time at that position. Danny Leonard out of Ole Miss, very similar. Don't have much on this cornerback as well. He was a seventh-round pick, so I think that they're pretty damn set at corner. I don't know why they're attacking this so aggressively. Again, they signed J.C. Jackson to a, a massive deal. Uh, they have Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, as well. So I think that they were set at corner, but maybe they're just making sure that everything is filled. And they have Bryce Callahan that they just brought in. So maybe they're making sure every like thing is filled just in case they have to try to move money around and they have some depth there. And then Xander Horvath out of Purdue bringing in a fullback. I like this move in the seventh round. Bringing a guy, they want to establish the run. I think they'll use more eye formation this upcoming season uh, to try to alleviate some of the pressure on Justin uh, Herbert. Everyone's impressed with Justin Herbert's physical ability, but let's go ahead and be honest. If we want to be honest with ourselves, he is not ready to be an upper echelon quarterback, at least how he's played. So you need to take some pressure off the young man. Just because he's so physically gifted and the ball looks so pretty coming out of his hands doesn't mean that you have to throw the ball 50 times a game. Running the ball more often, alleviating some pressure off of him, letting him continue to develop might be helpful for his complete growth in his career. So those are all of the teams from the NFC and AFC West. This is a long show, folks. This might be the longest show I've done uh, virtually ever. All right. Uh, I will have the last two combinations of the North and the uh, East Coming up in the next couple of days, I want to finish out the NFL draft before I move on to things like fantasy football and some assessments of the teams as far as how they are going forward. Um, But there was a lot of drafted players by these uh, eight teams compared to some other ones. All right. For those of you all who didn't hear it earlier in the show, uh, my handle and the best follow for football information for me is on Twitter. That's at CJ Florida 9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Uh, Hopefully you all enjoyed the show. Uh, if you didn't, well, well, you know that you don't have to listen to the next one. So you don't have to listen to my monotone voice. But anyway, take care. Hope your team did well in the draft. And I will get you information on the remaining 16 teams over the next week or so. Take care. Bye-bye.